Hello, my name is Katadura Kish, and thank you for I could be here, even only virtually. I'm a PhD student uh, from Hungary, and I'm studying a very interesting kind of uh, PhD program, which called uh, theoretical psychoanalysis. And this program deals with psychological questions from a very critical and interdisciplinary point of view. So philosophy and phenomenology is also the part of um, our perspective. And um, the title of my presentation is The Importance of uh, Intersubjectivity in the, the Process of Psychotherapy. And uh, I'm just switched to the presentation itself. So first of all, here I speak about, in general, so-called psy-sciences, means psychology, psychiatry, psychoanalysis, pedagogy, criminology, or special education, and so on. And when I speak about psychology and psychotherapy, I refer to uh, therapeutic processes and their grounding theory. And there are various kinds of techniques, and, and I wouldn't deny it, and I do not want to generalize them. However, we should speak about a kind of paradigm that the mainstream psychology grounded on, and which follows the modern natural scientific method. And that is what I would like to oppose through uh, psychoanalytical thoughts and through phenomenological point of view. And uh, for this reason, first I would like to highlight the, the importance of phenomenological approach in the apprehension of the human psyche, and then I am going to argue that this phenomenological notion of intersubjectivity is very helpful in healing practices as well. And finally, I would like to introduce the work of a Hungarian psychoanalyst, a friend and contributor of Sigmund Freud, as an example. He is Sándor Ferenczi, who was one of the first who highlighted the importance of relationality in therapy. So let me start with uh, Ferenczi and tell some core information about him. He and Freud had started to be friends around the 20s uh, when Ferenczi was a young neurologist and they started mailing. From that time, the two scientists started to work together and they had sent all together approximately like 1,200 letters to each other from the year 97. And we should say Ferenczi and also his pupils, the Budapest School, was one of the main contributors of early psychoanalytical theory and practice. If it is the case, some people would ask why Ferenczi and the Budapest School are so underrepresented in the history of psychoanalysis. The answer is more institutional than scientific. After 1919, until Ferenczi's death at 1930, he gradually had gotten distant from some original Freudian ideas. Uh, the most important is that he made technical adjustments that he called the active technique. And its core element is a kind of dialogue between the analysts and the client's unconscious thoughts um, through transference and counter-transference. Just briefly, transference uh, on transference, we understand the projection of the client's past feelings into the actual situation of the therapy and to the therapist itself, including rage, hatred, 
mistrust, um, erotic attraction, or dependence. And countertransference is the same mechanism, uh, but in a different direction when the analyst projects uh, his or her personal feelings into the client. For Freud, transference was a useful tool to understand the client's past feelings and emotions uh, that consider lost. However, countertransference, uh, the therapist's emotions, is harmful as it blurs the therapist's clear-sightedness during the healing process. Contrary to Freud, Ferenczi thought these interpersonal elements are not obstacles to the therapy, moreover very helpful because the client and the therapist have to create together the same atmosphere as it was when the personal trauma occurred. That is the kind of positive regression that Ferenczi promoted. It happens when a traumatized adult could gradually get back to the emotional state of the original trauma. That is the reason for the name of Ferenczi's active technique, as both client and therapist have to take mutually active part in the process of therapy. Healing only occurs if the therapy is an interpersonal event. That's what Fancy uh, thinks at that time. So for Freud, therapy was more like a one-person event, a monologue where most processes happening in the psyche of the client. However, for Fancy, therapy was more like a dialogue, a two-person event. And this division brings us to a well-known division in therapeutic attitudes, namely the monadic and the relational models of psychology. These are two different understandings of the nature of the human mind inside the discipline of psychology. Um, monadic theory assumes that the center of the investigation is the subject's single mind, which is a kind of closed system where the psychic energy of the instincts constantly seeks for homeostasis. All mental processes like projection, internalization, representation, and so on, originate from the individual mind. In this attitude, eventually all interpersonal processes are individual, as human relations springs from intrapsychic processes. We could easily recognize the classical Cartesian division in this attitude, where the mind and the outside world are two separated spheres. Most of the definitions and theories of the classical psychoanalysis have built upon the monadic attitude, which is also easily be paired with the natural scientific paradigm and its psychological branches, such as neuroscience or cognitive sciences, where the base unit of the investigation is the individual. The paradigm does not question the relevance of interpersonal relations, but these have secondary importance in the theory. The other branch is the relational model. It does not focus on the person's mind, but the therapeutic relationship and all kinds of relationships like family or societal and, and so on. And personal development, psychic structure and trauma are interpersonal events and these are the effects of the relations to others and in the shared world. According to this idea, consciousness has a dialectic structure as it inevitably has constant interaction with its environment and with other human beings. Michael Balint, an internationally well-known uh, psychotherapist and the pupil of Fancy, states in 1950 at the British Psychoanalytical Congress uh, that it was unnecessary by Freud 
to reduce his theory to the individual processes. According to Balint, our relation to objects is primary to psychic development, and this idea is the base of the object-relational attitude within the discipline of psychology. It assumes that instead of primary narcissism, there is a primary object relation or object love. They believe that our desire for love, for the love of the other, and for connectedness is more fundamental than self-love. That was the assumption of Ferenczi, and he thought that desire for connectedness comes from our early prenatal experience in the mother's uterus. This is what he calls talasa, a spirit of the sea in ancient Greek mythology, or ocean feeling after Freud. This ocean feeling refers back to the time when we felt one with our environment, the time before language and separation, a place of returning that forever fascinates us. Birth is a forced separation for the infant, a violation of this archaic state of contentment, but that all human being has to experience for life. Therefore, to be born to this world is an inevitable and shared trauma of the whole humankind and what Balint calls the basic fault. Also, therapeutic processes and situation is a two-person experience. Therefore, it could not be conceptualized through the one-person definitions of the Freudian psychoanalysis. Contemporary object relation schools are originated from the ideas of Ferenczi and the later emigrated members of the Budapest School. And these are just some examples like the British Object Relations School or the American Object Relations School and the Interpersonal School of Psychology. Interestingly, empirical researches of the last decades in the field of psychology heading towards the ideas of Ferenczi, namely towards a paradigm which bases upon intersubjectivity. Investigations had been shown that psychic problems in most cases originated from malfunctioning of the early intersubjective relation between infant and caregiver. But the problem is that these investigations reduce intersubjectivity into a kind of biological necessity and transforms human connections to attachment, like mere gratification of instinctual drives. Therefore, while natural scientific explanations legitimate two-person models, they have reconstructed them into the one-person paradigm. Attachment, in this sense, equal to cognitive representational scheme and internal working models. This psychological attitude, grounded in biological facts, emphasizes the role of relations from the side of human evolution and not from the complex symbolic system of human interactions. I assume that this perspective necessarily objectifies the human subject and their relations to others. Phenomenological perspective, however, could be a useful tool to avoid avoid objectification when we investigate the subject and its relations. For phenomenology, what is essential for investigation is the position of the interpreter and not the mere determination of the material. Its uh, purpose is not not the description but the apprehension. This attitude is extremely important in psychotherapy when we would like to grasp psychic phenomena. In therapy, the focus has to be on the client's first-person narrative, and the therapist has to understand as a hermeneute. The center of the therapy is the here and now of the dialogue. For understanding, the participants has to stand inside the shared reality. 
This subjective experience, the partake of the shared world, is what the, an objective scientific perspective could, not, could never fully apprehend. The interpersonal event of therapy is a fine example of what phenomenology calls intersubjectivity. Intersubjective perspective emphasizes that our relation and interactions with others are more definitive in how we perceive ourselves than neurological factors. This is in contrast to the objective scientific description of reality, which seeks to describe the unchanging and objective laws of the world and the human being. Natural scientific psychology could not describe in-depth uh, in myriad vital questions of being, like anguish, love, guilt, or definite nature of human existence. Phenomenology, on the other hand, could bring us closer to understand them from the side of ever-changing nature of being. According to Michel Foucault, psychology has an ambiguous status among sciences. The problem of the discipline is that there is no corporeal body for investigation or as a source of problems where the professional could perform operations. Thus the psyche has to function as a kind of imaginary body. Foucault assumes that the medical gaze of the therapist has to remodel the client's psyche like a kind of concrete body. In this process, the psyche eventually transforms into a scientific object. Uh, after Sartre, in every interpersonal relationship, one is always in the status of an object and the other is in the status of the subject. For Sartre, this relation is dynamic. Hence, the subject-object status is always changing among the participants. However, in medicalization, this playing field petrifies. The professional always remains the subject because he or she has the power by the institution to mark the client uh, through the diagnosis. Thus, the client is always the object of external interpretations and the treatment. This dynamic presupposes an inevitable uh, unequal relationship in diagnostic proce procedures and therapeutic uh, practices. Diagnosis classifies and determines the human being who always has to be the object of interpretation to some extent. In contrast, the e essence of the intersubjective approach in psychology is that both participants have to reserve their subjectivity for the purpose of successful healing. The question arises then, how could the therapist maintain the subjectivity of the client within the therapy? I assume that phenomenological approach could help. For phenomenology, in the description of reality, one's lived experience is the most essential. In personal experience, the consciousness of the subject is only one element. His or her relationship with others and the shared world are equally important uh, parts of the description of reality. These are the three elements of phenomenological intersubjectivity as well. What gets very few attention in the natural scientific psychological approach is the third element, the world, in which our connectedness takes place. Mind, others, and the world exist in an intertwined way, as Meloponti states in his example of, on the flesh. Human subjectivity is shaped by the complex and the reciprocal relationship between the self and the world. It's not a cognitive scheme, but a constantly evolving dynamic form. Uh, so for this kind of attitude, it's important to bring our focus from individual mental processes 
to the relationship itself within the therapy. And then I would, uh, I would like to show Ferenczi's uh, trauma theory, which is absolutely a kind of intersubjective theory um, of, of psychic problems. For Ferenczi, the therapeutic relationship is central to healing. And according to his trauma theory, all trauma is a kind of fraction in intersubjective relations and the shared world. This healing means the rep uh, reparation of the relation. He assumes that there are three phases of the trauma. First, the child has a trustful but dependent relationship with the adults and caregivers around. The child is vulnerable to their parents and their internal processes. In the second phase, the adult unexpectedly or repeatedly does something frightening, painful or overexciting with the child, even without his or her own acknowledgement. In the third phase, the child wants to understand the incomprehensible situation to calm down, but the adult does not provide any explanation, either because he or she does not acknowledge the deed or because feels guilty about it. As a result, the adult could behave as if the incident had not happened or even rebuke the child. Uh, Freud stops at the second phase and assumes that the cause of the trauma is the noxious action itself. For Ferenczi, trauma is not the event in itself, but its unspeakable and incomprehensible nature. The child who has not yet fully understood the symbolic meanings of the word around him or her is vulnerable to their parents who have already mastered these meanings. It indicates that Ferenczi's theory describes not only a two-person phenomenon, but also the alienation of the shared world in the traumatic experience. Trauma influences one's personality development and his or her relationship with others and the world. It's eventually the deprivation of meanings, for example by parental authority. The competent infant, a non-traumatized children, is able to display and represent his or her own internal states because these are coupled with meaning through the interaction with the caregiver. The caregiver has to act as a translator. He or she translates the child's signs and emotions in a way that corresponds to the system of symbolic meanings. Through this translational work, the child also learns to interpret his or her own internal states. However, in the case of trauma, the parental interpretative power imposes itself on the child's experience. Or, on the other hand of the scale, the caregiver does not give enough meaning to the child. Therefore, the child could not understand not on only the events, but also his or her inner experiences. This phenomenon is what Winnicott describes as empty self. This, is, uh, this trauma theory is dialogical uh, exactly because the cause of the trauma is the deprivation of meaning or the misunderstanding between the participants. In Lacanian language, trauma is a fraction between the order of the symbolic and the real when there is no symbolic meaning associated with the given experience or phenomenon. Therefore, the child is incompetent in interpreting his or her own experiences in the symbolic interpersonal space, which causes alienation. Based on the trauma theory above, we would see how, how subjectivity is the result of intersubjective relations from the earliest stages of life. 
In the same way, uh, the origin of mental problems also has to be intersubjective. Consequentially, Ferenczi aims to restore the early traumatic fracture which defines one's attitude towards the world. Reduction and objectification repeat trauma since trauma takes away the capacity of the subject to interpret his or her experience. Therefore, there should be not even a menace of objectification inside the treatment, as it could easily repeat the trauma itself. For this, the therapist should not force an external meaning, for example by the diagnosis, onto the diverse and complex personal experiences of the subject, but has to be attentive to the client's narrative. Therapeutic recognition should be based on understanding and empathy on the part of the therapist. This is the acknowledgement of the phenomenon that is given in the intentional experience. If the professional would like to avoid the unbalanced situation of the early trauma, he or she has to take care of the, that both participants of the therapy must, must reserve its subjectivity. Therefore, the sphere of therapy serves as a space for jointly constituted meanings and understanding that was originally left out in the early stage of childhood. Thus, the client could gain meaning to the emotional and affective surplus in the symbolic order. Ferenczi's therapy is a joint work where the therapist acknowledges the existence of the client as a subject, thus initiating him or her into the world from which he or she was alienated before in the trauma. This is what he called active technique. So as a conclusion, um, I would like to tell that nowadays humanistic and psychodynamic uh, therapies inherit Ferenczi's insights. Thus, by emphasizing the phenomenological concept of intersubjectivity in therapy, the presentation sought to offer a theoretical and uh, therapeutic approach that attempts to show in a more complex way that objective natural scientific attitude that focuses only on personal mental processes and biological necessities. The notion of intersubjectivity is not only shifting the emphasis from the subjective reasoning to the interpersonal relationship, but also integrates the notion of the commonly shared world that underpins all relationship. From this point of view, I wanted to introduce Ferenczi's work as a pioneering experiment with the technique. Long before present-day researches and psychodynamic theories, Ferenczi concluded that our relatedness and not the subjective psyche has to be the focus of the healing therapy, uh, psychoanalytic therapy. Thank you for listening.